Well, good morning again. I know it's been said before, but good morning. It's so good to see all of you here. And I just want to highlight what has already been highlighted. We would love for you to fill out your communication cards. And if you're new, you can take those to the Welcome Center. We have uh, some Brookhaven swag to give you. And so uh, we would love to be able to connect with you. And so I just want to encourage that. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't know if you know this about me or not. Uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But um, lots of times just everyday things about life just trigger things within my head that makes me think about faith. Uh, some people might say that my head's a little warped, I don't know, but uh, oftentimes just certain things will trigger in my head and, and things of faith will just um, come alive. And uh, so this morning I had this. Now, there's been a couple people who have given me thoughts about what it looked like from a distance. I just want, this is not a cake, it's not popcorn, or it's not macaroni and cheese, all right? All three of those things have been suggested. I don't know if they didn't have breakfast this morning or what the deal was, but what this is is this stuff called great stuff. Anybody ever used this stuff before, great stuff? Uh, I would just like to officially rename it to uh, sticky and nasty stuff, all right? I, I have uh, some of this on my hand when I made this nice piece of artwork this morning that I'm pretty sure is going to take a week or two to get off. But the, the nice thing about this stuff and the way it, it comes in handy is uh, you take this can and uh, you, you, you spray it in places and it expands. In fact, I bought it. Um, because I had some holes at my house that I wanted to fill up. And so you spray it in it, and it expands, all right? And so that's, I don't know exactly how it works. I just know it works. I'm sure someone here has the scientific understanding of why this does what it does. But for me, it just does what I think it's supposed to do, and I use it. And so I was thinking about it, and uh, I was thinking through the book of Acts, and what really began to trigger in my mind is that when God created the church. We're in a, a teaching series on the book of Acts, this uh, series called The Launch, where we are looking at how God, uh, Jesus Christ, and his early followers launched this group of people into history. And when, when God established the church, what he meant for them to do was to expand, right? Uh, if I was to take this stuff and to spray it, and it didn't expand, I would think something was wrong, because that is what it is meant to do. It says so right on the bottle, right on the can, right? And so um, when God created the church, when Jesus established the church, what he longed for the church to do was to expand, was to grow. He, he did not mean for it to stay, which is that small group of believers that were there, his, his disciples. He wanted this group, this community of faith to really begin to expand and to grow. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, uh, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so his desire, his intention, was that this group of people would expand, uh, first of all, just geographically. That they would begin to, to move out and to um, go into other parts of the world. And so uh, he knew that they would, they would expand geographically. But more than that, he also knew that, that they would expand in the gospel message. The hope that is found in Jesus Christ would go to every people group in the entire world. That's what he longed for, that everyone, everyone would, would be able to hear and to know the message of Jesus Christ, that the truth of the gospel would make its way into the entire world. His desire for, for this uh, gospel message to expand and to grow was, was not uh, just for Numbers for numbers' sake. He was 
He was longing for the influence of the gospel, this hope and the freedom that he offered. He was longing for people to to be able to know that and to be able to understand the transforming power of Jesus Christ. As the book of Acts unfolds, what we begin to see is we actually begin to see this taking place. I, I, uh, I was struck by the number of times uh, that we get this uh, idea of the church expanding really played out before our eyes. In the scripture that we read today, it says, The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 24 says, Barnabas was a, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Acts 12, the next chapter says, Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. Acts 16 says, So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. And there are probably a half a dozen, a dozen scriptures in the book of Acts that talk about the fact that this early church began to grow and begin to expand. It began to reach new people with the message of Jesus Christ. And it got me thinking, if the early churches... Uh, mission, if, it, if it's what God had created it to do, was to reach new people with the gospel message, it is a pretty safe uh, bet that God's desire for Brookhaven is also that we would be a group of people that doesn't keep our faith within our own walls, but that we would expand and that through our influence, through um, our efforts, that God would bless those and that the gospel message would be taken out into the world and the kingdom of God would expand. And so I specifically want to push in a little bit this morning on, on the passage of Scripture where we are today. Acts 11. 19 through 30. There's some things about um, the way this early group of people, people acted, the way uh, they lived their lives that I think we can emulate that will really help us to make sure that the gospel message uh, is, is growing, is, is coming into, um, into greater influence in our world. One of the things that I begin to see was very early in this section, uh, verse 19, uh, it talks about the fact that the early church begin to be persecuted. Now, the reality is, is that the, uh, the, the bulk of the early followers of Jesus Christ had stayed in Jerusalem after, after Jesus had commissioned them. There were some that had went other places, but the bulk of them had actually stayed in Jerusalem. And Jesus had told them that they were to go to Jerusalem and that they were to wait for him, but then for the Spirit. But, but it seems to be that in some way they become comfortable in Jerusalem. They, they become comfortable in this religious center of the world. And, and, and then persecution happens. And this group of people, a lot of them, gets dispersed. They get dispersed. And, and God uses this, this event to really stretch them out of their comfort zone. Now, we can have a discussion about whether or not um, God brought this persecution on them because they were not walking in obedience to what God had asked of them, or maybe uh, God just used this persecution. That, you know, that's a, a discussion we could have. But no matter how you slice it, this is a group of people who suddenly are, are really stretched out of their comfort zone. It would have been easy to stay in Israel, to Jerusalem. It was the religious capital of the world. But persecution happens. And, and then they had to, they begin to flee. 
they, they traveled miles, and, and this was not miles where, you know, you go down, you get on a southwest flight, and you go somewhere. This was not a mile when you get, you know, miles when you get in your SUV and drive three or 400 miles in just a matter of, of, of a couple hours. This was a group of people who, um, who are dispersed, who are traveling by foot, who are maybe working along the way to actually have enough resources to go farther, who are, who are staying with people, with family, with friends, staying in, in, in small little places. This is a group of people who are being stretched from their comfort zone. And it reminded me, it reminded me that if we are to be a group of people who truly take the gospel to the world, it means that we are going to have to be uh, pulled from what is comfortable to us. It's easy. We're all creatures of habit, right? I'm a creature of habit. And it's easy to get in our routines. It's even easy to get into our religious routines. But God is stretching us. God is, is challenging us. God is, is taking us out of our comfort zones. And in those moments when he takes us out of our comfort zones, often are the times when we are most able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This group of people could have complained. They could have, you know, cried out to God and said, God, why are you doing this to, to me? Why, why are we facing this persecution? But no, they allowed God to work in them. And in these moments, in these moments of, of being stretched, God used those moments to take the gospel to the world. What is, how is God stretching us from our comfort zones? Is he, is he asking us to serve in places that are not comfortable? Is he asking us to, to serve in areas that, that require sacrifice? Is he asking us to give sacrificially in ways that hurt? Is he asking us to, to, have conversations with people that don't look like us, that don't act like us, who don't think like us. And he's asking us to have conversations with those people to help share our faith. Is he asking us to truly be willing to change our strategies and, and our methods of how we share the gospel? God may be asking a lot of us, but if he stretches us, you can count on the fact that if we are obedient and walk in obedience to Him and surrender to Him, that He will use those moments of stretching to make it possible for us to share the gospel, to be a, a community of faith that, that is willing to allow God to stretch us for the sake of the, of the kingdom. My prayer for us as a community is that we will not miss the opportunities that God has for us to be a light to a dark world simply because it is not comfortable. The good news is, the good news is that in this, in this uh, event that is taking place, that God's hand was with them. We see this in a couple places. Verse 21 says, The power of the Lord was with them. And a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 24 says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And, and we also read, and many people were brought to the Lord. Um, it really, what struck me, I think, was this idea that, um, that, that there have these, these passages of the Scripture where it says 
that the power of the Lord was with them, or in Barnabas's case, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And then right after that is this idea that many people were brought to the Lord. Uh, I am convinced this. I am convinced that when the writers of scriptures write scriptures, that that is not placed at the end of that statement inconsequently. That there is a direct correlation between the fact that um, many people came to the Lord and the fact that the Spirit of God was upon them. That the hand of the Lord was with them. Because when we begin this series, I, I believe I mentioned that as a church, we must understand for us to truly uh, make a difference in our world, it is, it, is, it is essential that we are completely dependent upon the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. We, we cannot do this on our own. This idea that we can even share our, our faith with others and expect them to respond is only possible. It's only possible because God's Spirit is at work in people's lives, and He is working our lives. As, as, as a church, we believe in this thing called provenient grace. It is uh, this idea that um, there is a grace that goes before us. us. There, there's this idea that even when we, when we pray and when we are getting ready to even share our faith with people, that God's Spirit has already been at work in their lives. That, that because of, of God's work, His Spirit upon us, that His Spirit has already been at work in their lives. And I believe, as a church, that we can see our world come to know Jesus Christ when we, when we understand that it is the work of the Holy Spirit that is at, at work in our lives. And not only that, The Scripture says in verse 24 that he was full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Once again, I I am convinced that this idea that many people came to the Lord is in part due to the fact that Barnabas was a man of faith. It, It wasn't so much the size of his faith. It was a matter of who his faith was in. It wasn't so much a matter of, of how giant his, his faith might have been, but he, his faith was, uh, was completely centered on the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because of this belief that people uh, would come to know Jesus Christ, we see Barnabas was a man of faith. And as a result, people did. You know, I think, I begin to ask myself, what if, as a church, we actually believed with everything that we have that people would and could come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. What if we believed that the 40,000 people in, in Grant County who claim no religious affiliation, what if we believe that God is at work in their lives and that we could see hundreds if not thousands of them, come to know Jesus Christ. What if we had that true, just genuine faith? So, um, one of the areas that I really think, as, as the pastor that I'm seeing this play out at Brookhaven, where people are truly believing that people can come to know Jesus Christ, 
is in our youth ministry. As a matter of fact, uh, this past week, uh, Pastor Dave and I had a conversation, and uh, he relayed a story to me, and I am simply going to ask the, the, the person who is involved in that story to come forward, and I'm going to ask Alex Lorenz if she could come forward. You got your own fan club. So, Alex, um, I believe a couple weeks ago you, you all, as a youth group, you went somewhere. Where would you all go? We went to Never Too Young at Indiana Wesleyan. And that's the junior high. That's the junior high weekend, whatever. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, word on the street is that something really awesome happened at Never Too Young. Could you tell me, could you tell me that? Yeah, um, that, like, the day we first got there, my friend got saved during the sermon. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey. A friend came to know Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Um, had, had your friend, had you been praying, praying for this friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been praying for him for about a month or so. Awesome. Uh, I heard that he was on your prayer hit list. Yeah. Is that true? Mm-hmm. If you're going to be on the hit list, that's the one to be on right there, okay? Um, a prayer hit list, that's, that's awesome. You should all have your own prayer hit list, by the way. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, what I... Uh, in communication with Dave and, and us as well, um, can you can you help us understand uh, just um, the extent of the faith that you had in that moment that God was about to do something in your friend's life? Could you just walk us through that, unpack that a little bit? I think I knew it was going to happen because you could just feel the God's presence in the room, and I just I had a lot of faith in God at the time that my friend was going to be saved. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. You know what? Uh, that's worth celebrating right there, you know? Before Alex leaves, I just want to say, it is our, my prayer as a church that we will have that same type of faith for the people that we know and love who do not know Jesus Christ yet as their personal Savior. Um. What if we begin to actually believe with everything that we had that God was working in people's hearts and that they were hearing the message of Jesus and making a decision to follow him? Wouldn't that be awesome? Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much. Um, Can I just say something here real quick? Um, As I look out over this room, uh, I don't know all of your stories, but I, I know enough of your stories to know that I am, I am convinced that there are people in this room who have someone that you have been pouring your heart out to God for, for weeks, months, years, and your deepest cry is that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Can I just tell you, don't give up. Can I just tell you that I believe, I am convinced that the power of Jesus Christ is at work in people's lives. He says He is not willing that any should perish. And I am convinced that if we keep praying and we keep believing and we keep having faith that God is doing a work in their lives, I am convinced that we can see people come to know Jesus Christ and, and, and have their lives totally transformed. I am convinced. Can I tell you a, a crazy a crazy vision, a crazy dream I have? 
I, this is, it, it seems a little crazy, but my hope is, we just started um, a new physical church year. The, the Westland Church ends in end of April. We started May. So every year I, have to, I get the joy of filling out statistics. That's just awesome. I love all those things, you know. Sarcasm there. Um, but um, I have a crazy dream. One of the things that we, um, that we report on is the number of people who have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ in that year's time. I have a dream that this year we will see 60 people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Wouldn't that be awesome? Pastor Bob, could you shout for us? Wouldn't that be awesome if we saw 60 people come to know Jesus Christ because we have been faithful. We have, we have allowed God to stretch us out of our comfort zones. We have, a, we have allowed ourselves to, to be stretched and we have, we have prayed, we have believed, we have had faith. We have allowed the God, we have allowed God's Spirit to work in us to transform our own lives. And out of that, we have 60 people who come to know Jesus Christ, whose eternal destination is, is altered. Because we have been faithful. And then you know what we get to do? We get to celebrate, right? I, I love, everybody loves a good celebration, right? Like, um, I think we celebrate well. We, we celebrate our kids, our grandkids, promotions, our sports teams. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate all kinds of holidays. We are really good at celebrating. But there's nothing as followers of Jesus Christ that we should celebrate more than when, when someone comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I love, I love this story in Acts. Acts chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Barnabas was a, a good man. Uh, actually, next, next verse. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. It's biblical to celebrate. I mean, Barnabas comes to this group of people and there's been uh, many, many people come to Jesus. And it says he was filled with joy. You know what? I was thinking about the, the stories that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells three stories in Luke chapter 15. He, he tells one about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And the, the, really the theme of, this, of these stories is this idea that God is seeking people to, uh, to restore the relationship with him and and the joy and the celebration that takes place when people comes to know, come to know him. And I, I want you to listen to verse uh, 7 of this passage. It says, th- th- pretty powerful stuff. Jesus says, in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, it's okay to celebrate not straying away. But, but the scripture is pretty clear that there is more joy in the presence of the angels over one lost sinner who repents 
And over the 99, he never strayed. I'm convinced that that is what uh, Barnabas was doing. He was celebrating these people who, who had come to know Jesus Christ. And I don't know how it's going to look, but one of my dreams, one of my goals uh, for this coming year is for us as a church to begin to celebrate to begin to celebrate when people's lives are transformed, when people experience the hope and the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. I want us as a church to begin to really celebrate what God is doing when people experience new life. What's so exciting about this story, I think, is that I know people well enough to know that um, Barnabas is celebrating them when I know they don't have their life completely figured out yet. As a matter of fact, uh, it, he says that he sticks around and he teaches them or he encourages them to stay true to the Lord. I know they didn't have their life completely figured out yet. But Barnabas did not say, you know, um, you know we'll kind of wait a little bit. Maybe if, they, if, if it really shows that they, their life is perfect, then, then we'll celebrate it. No, the scripture said he was full of joy. Uh, I recently heard someone frame it in this context. It's, I think it's appropriate for Mother's Day. It's like um, a, a child learning to walk. If you've ever, you know, if you've ever uh, been around when a child learns to walk, you know, they, they take that first step and everybody's like, oh, that's so awesome, that's so awesome. And everybody begins, you know, jump up and down and knock the kid over probably. And, um, but, but, but if you notice the parents, they don't go, well, that's a good first step, but I don't think you can run a marathon yet. They don't take a couple of steps and, um, and, and fall, and they're like, I told you you couldn't walk. No, they're like, good job. That is awesome. You took a first step. You, 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 took a, you stood up. You took a step. Awesome. What if we begin to celebrate like that? When people make decisions to follow Jesus Christ, not stand back and go, well, you're not running a marathon spiritually yet. All right, you know, I really kind of knew you couldn't walk. What if we said, awesome, that is awesome. You have made a decision, and we are going to celebrate you from here to Christmas. I long for us to be a place where people's lives are transformed because they have an encounter with Jesus Christ that they cannot deny. I was thinking briefly about my um, my foam stuff, stuff that expands. And I got to thinking, it never expands. It stays in the can. It's, it's, it's not... Listen, the message of Jesus Christ will never expand if it stays in these walls. It will never expand if it stays in these walls. God has commissioned us. God has commanded us to go to make disciples, to celebrate new life in people. What if we had a crazy goal? What if we truly believed as a church that we are going to see people come to know Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? That is my challenge.
book of Acts is the story of God's hand upon his people and the gospel message began to expand. It began to spread. May the story of Brookhaven be a story where the gospel message spreads through our community, through our world, because we have allowed God to stretch us. We have been faithful in praying. We have actually believed that people could come to know Jesus Christ, and we celebrate it.